0: Welcome to Maddie Speaks. My name is Kevin Maurer, Director of Community Engagement for the Cape Fear Collective. I've spent my whole career telling stories, but nothing really is a substitute for that lived experience. That's why when Maddie, an African-American woman living with her family in New Edinburgh County, was willing to sit down and tell me a story, I jumped at the chance to hear it. On paper, Maddie's part of the American middle class. She works in healthcare, and her husband is a public servant. But as we talk, you'll hear the reality of her every day, from just making rent to overcoming systemic racism and then the pandemic hits. You know, this is a rare, unvarnished glimpse at one life. Now, I wish Maddie's story was unique, but as you listen, keep in mind, her struggles are more common than we'd like to admit, and empathy is our best tool for understanding. Episode one is an introduction to Maddie and her family. We talk about first impressions, growing up biracial, and why she identifies as black. She also talks about why she wanted to sit down and record these conversations. I thought we'd start here because you know, when I first met you, I came to your house. First impressions, when I walked through your door, what, what did you see? And be as brutally honest as you can.
1: Um, I saw a middle-aged white man who, I had no true expectation of his intentions. Um, wasn't sure if there was a hidden motive. Wasn't sure if this was a, hey, I'm a white guy trying to do right by black people. Um, Was not very sure the moment I saw you. Um, I think that it put me a little on edge in the beginning because when this whole thing was even brought to me it was very much so Oh, you know he's super cool super super cool and I'm like okay but I don't know what that means and then when you walk through the door I was like oh is he trying to be too cool and that was a concern um and then we started talking and it was like oh I can let my shoulders down a little bit and relax a little more
0: you know it's interesting I've that's pretty... Yeah. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me. I mean, I, I, I can clear out blocks in parts of the town if I walk down them. I mean, I'm I don't I know sure. how many times I tell people I'm not a cop. Mm-hmm. I immediately get accused of being a cop.
1: It's I interesting. can see that absolutely being an issue for you.
0: But on the flip side, so I come into your place and I've felt stressed. I was like I can tell that you were you, you had a hundred balls in the air. and I felt like I was just another ball I was the beach ball that somebody threw into your jungle, right And I, I was like you know you had like, you know, you, your son and your daughter were coming in and out of the room uh, your youngest was was just destroying your purse and that was stressing me out too. Um, but that's what I felt. I felt like you know man, I feel like I'm imposing and I'm stressing and, and all I'm here to do is ask for stuff, right. Mm-hmm. You know but i'm also sensitive of that whole like i'm not here to save anybody i'm not and so it, it's a weird dynamic in the fact that we couldn't we bring all this baggage in right we bring right. all this to this conversation that's that was just simply two people saying hey do you, we want to have our conversation about a hard topic but let's just talk about it yeah which i think is interesting because I, I don't think white folks think a lot about put put ourselves in your shoes and i don't know how i would react you know on right. the flip side
1: and i think it's always a um You don't want to believe that people have a hidden agenda. You don't want to think definitely in my life. I don't try to go into any situation and think, you know what? They have a hidden agenda. But sometimes you run into people like that and it taints you a little bit and it makes you see that that is how some people operate. So then you got to wonder, wait a minute. Is this really how this is going or is his intentions truly
0: genuine? I also don't trust people trust people that say I don't see color. Yes, you do. Everybody does.
1: If you don't see color, then there's a problem. Right. Now, I think that you can get into situations where it is not a focus. Yes. I think you can be around people where you're not white, I'm not mixed, we're just people and we're just having a conversation. But I think some people don't realize how much the fact that it's almost like they overdo it. Mm -hmm. I don't see race I don't see color I don't see color racism is over and done dead with and the truth is I'm like but you wouldn't allow your child to date a black person or but that's but that's not racism yes it is like that's when you still are seeing color so I think that there are many aspects to that statement um that anybody could run with in any way they wanted to well
0: your your father was black and your mother was white Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. I mean that because you yeah, that, is that, was that stressful? How did you straddle that? Um,
1: so I grew up with my mother. Mm-hmm. I did not know my father until I was 24 years old. I knew he was black, obviously, but I didn't know anything about my dad. and as I got older, I realized my dad lived within a five mile radius of me for the first 13 years of my life. Um, and so I grew up as the only speck. Um, my grandparents are white. Um, obviously the whole family so every time we went somewhere I stood out I looked like I didn't belong and so I was my mom has told me stories about when I was younger I tried to do things to make myself look the part so we used to go to this campground where um, there was like a little beach and so you could get in the water and then there was like a sand pit so I would roll in the sand after I got out of the water trying to pretend hey I'm white like you guys or I said I wanted to bleach my skin when I found out that Clorox would whiten things. Um but my mom always from pretty much that point on, my mom was like, I need you to understand who you are and what you are. She's like, I can't teach you about being black, but I can teach you that you are black. Um and so there was a lot of things in my house. <clears throat> and at one point I thought my mom was like doing overkill. Like as a kid, you're like ten years old. I'm like, God, everything in the house is black, like everything. And Now as an adult, I realized how much it meant to my mom for me to make sure I was secure in my identity as who I was, you know, when it came to my race. Um, So we had, when all the little girls were getting American Girl books and everybody was getting the white girls, I was getting the Addie books, which was the black girl that was a slave, you know, those were the books that I read. Um, My mom just did... She made sure that I always knew she didn't allow anybody to say anything about my race. If you had a problem with that, you definitely had a problem with my mom. And that was like, you don't come for her baby.
0: Why do you think she was so adamant about that?
1: I don't know, honestly. That's a conversation that we've never really had. I know that she's made remarks to the effect of... Recently, we had to have a conversation because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't offending people and I said mom does it bother you that I identify as black that I don't identify as biracial any longer I identify as black she was like that's how everybody's gonna see you when you walk out this door they don't see you as mixed they're not gonna take the time to find out oh you have a white mama which in her words she said shouldn't make you any better than the next person but they're not gonna take that time to find out they just see your skin color and they're gonna say oh she's black um and so she's always she believed that she needed to make sure that I knew how the world was going to see me versus how my family viewed me.
0: I'm going to stop here for a second, only in the sense that for you to say, I identify as black, I don't think I've ever said I identify as white, ever. I mean, and that's that's exactly what we're trying to get to. That's That's the kind of realization that I'm talking about, which is like...
1: And that could be, I mean... But I I almost feel like somebody who has two black parents probably Mm. has never had to say I identify as black. Right. Whereas me in the melting pot that I am, Mm. um, that's just I grew up. I remember when we first moved from I grew up in Ohio and when we first moved down here. Believe it or not, in 2001, you still could not choose more than one race on your standardized test. And I was like, but I'm not black. And they were like, well, then are you white? I'm not white. Like, I am biracial. I'm multicultural. However y'all need to put it on this test. Um, and I was like, I felt myself very conflicted. I didn't know what am I supposed to choose? And I remember I had to go home and ask my mom, like, what the heck am I supposed to choose? And she was like, well, what are you? Like, this is where you're going to get to choose um, and how you answer this. She was like, but you're, you're seen as black. Like, I don't know. We've raised you to not Focus on that We've raised you to just be a good person Love people regardless But now you're at a point where you're going to have to focus on this And you're going to have to identify one way or the other
0: But what does it mean to be black Versus what does it mean to be white To you Because you're the the, the only one I can ask that question to But when you say I identify as black What does that mean to you In honesty? Excellence
1: Being black There is something beautiful about being black um and don't get me wrong i still catch flack from people oh you're too white or that's the white side of you or oh that's the black side of you you know you get that bull crap across the board um but it is a beautiful thing because it is a fight that has went on for years black people just want to be seen the same way as you're seen when you go into somewhere when you go into a corner store They probably aren't going to follow you or look and see what you're doing. Whereas me, and not even, let me even take it off of me. I have a, you know, almost 15 year old son who has got the sweetest little heart ever in his life. And they'll follow him. Not going to steal anything. He's too afraid to even get me to yell at him. So the last thing he wants is like the police called on him or anything like that. Um, I think that it's, it is this beautiful fight that you are just trying to find a place in society where you matter just as much as the next person.
0: Well, let's talk about society for a second. I mean, you, you moved down here. You're married to a black man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ten years. Yes. You guys both have good jobs. Mm-hmm. T- tell 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 us a little bit about, you know, tell about your family. I think I in think one of our conversations, you called yourselves the Brady Bunch. Before we meet Maddie's family, I just want to give you a little glimpse of the demographics of New Hanover County according to the census data. of New Hanover County's population is black or African-American alone. Only 2.1% of New Hanover County's population is two or more races. So Maddie being biracial, she's in in a very small minority. The average household in New Hanover County has about 2.3 persons, which means Maddie's family is a little bigger than average. And 64% of New Hanover County's households with children have both parents present. So she's part of the majority there.
1: We are. So we have, um, like I said, I have an almost 15 year old son. We have an almost 15 year old daughter. We had, I had a son, he had a daughter before we got married. Um, they're actually just three weeks apart. Like they are super close in age. Um, and then we met, we had a daughter and now we have a who's, she'll be 12 and we have a little dude who will be two next month. Um, so that's our family dynamic we do everything just like the average american family i mean we have basketball practice we have dance practice we have tryouts we have this we have that Um, we have a slew of things in our life that just make our life what it is when you said you came in and you felt like you were just an extra ball that i was juggling you were that night (laughs) i was like okay we're just gonna fit this in here but i just I try to do it as gracefully as possible. Mm. Um, My husband works hard. We do everything we can to make sure our children have a better life than what we had growing up. Um, Trying to make sure that, you know, they're raised with good foundation, with good beliefs.
0: Why now? Why did you decide, though, with all the things you're doing, all the different hats you wear, that this was important enough to sit down and talk about?
1: Um, We have had some instances within our family recently where I was just like mind blown. They were in the year 2020 and we still have things that we're dealing with um, pertaining to race. Um, My son is a 15 year old, almost 15 year old black boy who isn't treated the same as the white kid who sits next to him in school, in life. They're not viewed the same. And it's become so blatantly clear here lately that it's like, goodness, like, when is anybody going to step up and realize? So when the idea of doing these conversations, just talking with you, um, presented themselves, I was like, you know, I'm not sure in the beginning. It took me a minute. It took us, it took us a minute to say yes. Um, but then I felt like, you know, what is the point in hiding behind anything if you want to see something change? Now, do I believe that I'm going to change the world? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know where these conversations will go, but I know that it's got to start somewhere. And if nobody else is willing to do it, I mean, here I
0: am. I mean, look, these are uncomfortable conversations and they're hard to have. And, and I, think our, I think the goal on this, on this podcast is going to just have these conversations and, and we'll unpack some of the things that you, you know, the obstacles you go yeah. over. But, but I, I also think the, with something that you said early on is you know, I don't, this isn't a bitch session. We're not here to complain. Oh yeah. I think, I think it's, we have to have this kind of airing of,
1: and I don't want to come off as, you know, the little mixed kid who grew up mixed, who now identifies as black and hates white people. Like I said, my mother is white, just mm-hmm. as white as snow. <laughs> my grandparents are very, very white and they are the people that supported me through life. Like the foundation that I have, that's, where it comes from but again that's where I was saying earlier about I think in certain circumstances you get around people and you don't see color I don't see my grandparents as white people remind me that my grandparents are white but I don't see them as white they're just my grandparents and my mom is my mom and you know those are the the people that have pushed me through life and now I have a relationship with my father and my nine siblings that I have from him I went from being an only child to nine siblings when I met him and I have a relationship with all of them and they all push me too. So it's just, it is definitely not a, you know, a sit here and just complain session. I don't want that to be the goal of this, or I don't want that to be what people take away. I want people to really hear, you know, just what it's like to live my life.
0: Right. And then my kind of goal too, is to unpack these conversations in a way that it's constructive, but, but also have that hard conversation. like to, 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 as much you sharing it as, as, as me kind of yeah. sharing, too, because I think that's the only way we're going to ever kind of bridge this gap, which I think this is just a conversation we have to have as a, as a culture.
1: I agree with that. I think the funny thing is I was just sitting here as you were talking. I'm like, man, people think that having the sex talk with your kids is the hardest talk you'll ever have. And it's like, nope. there's other talks that are so much more involved. Like there are sex is a normal thing. Racism mm-hmm. isn't.
0: And that's episode one. Before we get to episode two, I thought I would take a minute and just kind of frame this a little bit and kind of give you a little insight into why we're doing this. First question is, you know, why Maddie? Well, Why is she the one we're talking to and not someone else? That's a kind of an easy answer. She had the courage to tell her story. She's willing to sit down across from me, a, a, a stranger, really, and talk about taboo topics like racism, finances, the dynamics, dynamics of her family. I mean, these aren't easy conversations to have, especially with someone you don't know. So I just I you know that's why we we started with her you know why we're doing this Um, you know honestly we don't listen enough in this country you know we're we're a country divided by politics by economics by skin color this is sort of an attempt to kind of get into these kind of topics but pause and listen I think often these conversations turn into one side waits for the other to stop talking so that they can make their point. And there's not a lot of compromise. There's not a lot of empathy. There's not a lot of building of, of a bridge or at least trying to find a common ground. Uh, and while Maddie and I are, are not op- opposed on opposite sides of these conversations, you know, we do come from different places. We come from different backgrounds. And the idea is you know, to try to have a conversation about these but really pause and listen to the other side and listen to their point of view and, and, and try to put yourself there uh, instead of just trying to think of what other next great point you're gonna make. Sort of the goal of this whole thing really is, is a dialogue, you know, to put this information out there in a way that has a human face and, and is accessible, you know. You know, being middle class anymore doesn't, doesn't mean the same thing as it used to, you know. Maddie and her uh, husband, you know, on paper have great jobs, you know. They, they should be considered, you know, doing well. Uh, but in, you're going to see in the next episode when, you, when we dig into Maddie's finances, uh, you know, that, that it is a struggle sometimes. And, and, and a, you know, sometimes they do come up short. So, you know, as we go, I'm going to try to pop in when I, when I can to, to offer some context, some data points to kind of frame things a little bit. You know, the hope was that these conversations will entertain and inform, you know, but at least, you know, at the very least give you another perspective. You know, a, a chance to sort of see the community in a different way through another set of eyes. Yeah, you know, we're starting with these four episodes. Uh, we'll do more. Uh, if you have feedback, if you have suggestions, uh, if you have uh, criticism, comments, anything, uh, you know, email us at info at katefearcollective Now on to episode two.